<clears throat> this is Writing Excuses, episode 14, Magic Systems and Rules of Magic Systems. 15 minutes long because you're in a hurry. And we're not that smart. I'm Brandon. I'm Dan. And I'm Howard. All right. I often have, um, when I talk about magic systems, I mention Sanderson's first law. So we're going to approach this uh, podcast from the, from the point of view of Sanderson's first law. Let me interrupt really okay. quickly here and just say that it's, it's a big ego trip. Ah. To name something Sanderson's first law, but I'm going to go ahead and support you in it. Okay, it's good. Named okay. After me. Uh, he's, he's named after my brother. <laughs> Thank you, Jordo. <laughs> Sanderson's first law is um, that your ability to solve conflicts with your magic is directly proportional to how well the reader understands your magic system. What the heck am I talking about when I say that, Howard? Um, well, uh, you and I conversed about this yeah. off channel. The ability of the protagonist to resolve the conflict yeah um i mean that's who is resolving the conflict right. protagonist mm -hmm. main character hero um without opening that can of worms uh for him to use magic or for her to use magic to resolve yeah. the conflict uh he or she has to understand it has to explore right. it and you can't have the perspective character exploring the magic without laying down some concrete rules so right. that the reader understands what's going on yeah the um the biggest criticism over time about the fantasy genre from people who don't write or read it has been, well, you can just do anything so there's no tension. Exactly. Response to that, Dan? Um, that, that's very true. And actually, the first uh, example that came to mind was, uh, this is Star Trek. Mm -hmm. it, it was science fiction, but I consider this to be a fantasy thing, is in the original series, whenever they had a problem that they didn't really know what to do with, Spock would have some kind of crazy new thing. Like... He'd grow another pair of eyelids, and all of a sudden, that he would, you know, all, all Vulcans, Vulcans have a pair of radioactive eyelids, or some weird thing like that. And if you know about that prior to the problem, then the audience is able to put it together and go, oh, they're going to be able to solve this because of Spock's extra eyelids. But the when writers, you... the writers of the uh, Next Generation series, mm -hmm. actually said that uh, they would write uh, up to the point that the characters started talking about the science. And then they would put in brackets and say techno babble here mm -hmm. and move on. Which they were using, very, trying. To, yeah, yeah, that's horrible. That's completely yeah. and, well, and it's a completely within. Uh, you know, at that point, it becomes magic. Yeah. Um, and so you know, you get to that point, and when that solution surfaces at the last minute, mm -hmm. then it feels like cheating because you've just yeah. used magic that the audience doesn't understand to solve a problem. It doesn't feel like cheating. It, it is. is cheating. It is cheating. Yeah. Yes, well, it, it is. One thing to understand is. Different books and different uh, movies and different genres have different objectives. The purpose of this podcast is if you want to write good magic. And by good, I'm going to define that as your reader reads it and is excited about it and doesn't, doesn't get the sense that you're cheating. In fact, feels like the magic is a strength in your books. If you want to make the magic a strength in your books, this is what you do. I'll take it one further. Yeah. You want the reader to believe in your magic. Yeah, yeah. That you want them to be, it's a fantasy. You right. want them to be living that fantasy with you. Okay. And that means yeah. it has to be believable. Now, one of the reasons that the, the thing that spawned me thinking about this in the first place was um, I was sitting on a panel at Worldcon, my very first Worldcon that I was, I, I was on, the, on the paneling for, and I, it was a how does the magic work panel. You often see these sorts of things. And, um, you know, I got on it because Elantris had a, a, a very nice role-based magic system. And they put me up on there, and the moderator said, okay, start off, what's your initial comment? They started with me, and I said, well, obviously for magic to work, it has to have rules. Everyone else on the panel looked at me and looked at me like I was a complete idiot. I had just taken it as an assumption that magic always had rules. 
And, but we spent that hour arguing, and they were arguing for magic in books not needing rules. And I thought, there are some. I mean, what are, we can think of some. Tolkien I mean, Lord is of the yeah. Rings, yeah. Mm-hmm. He, 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 his magic does not really have rules, or at least not rules that the audience yeah, he is doesn't privy explain to. It. And we, we can't tell the difference between... And that's between, why Gandalf yeah. isn't a perspective character. Exactly. Frodo is the character whose perspective we get. Gandalf, mysterious, wizard, yeah. creepy, scary, comes back from the dead. Yeah. We mm-hmm. don't know what he can do. Yeah. But he's not really solving problems. He's running off doing other stuff. All we know about mm-hmm. his magic is that he cannot personally unmake the ring. Yeah. And that's enough. Yeah. yeah. I mean, and, and, and Tolkien, we're, we're not talking about how he's bad because he doesn't have right. rules. We're saying that he fits Sanderson's first law very well. Yeah. Characters who solve problems don't use magic. They use other things. In characters, yeah. in characters in Tolkien's world who do solve problems with magic, and there are certain cases, like when Eowyn yeah. kills the Witch King, that is because of a very specific magic rule that he was established. He set up a yeah. logic puzzle right. for yes. us, and that right. was very cool. So yeah. that works. And it works really well. Um, so what do you gain by having magic in a, in a book or in a system where you, the reader doesn't understand the rules, where the characters don't understand the rules? You know, maybe Tolkien understood, but he didn't explain to us. What did he gain? What was the benefit of doing it that way? That taps into the collective unconscious. You've, we've all had the dream where you uh, are at school naked. Yeah. yeah. Okay? The fish out of water sort yeah. of dream. When your hero is in a situation where he or she just does not understand mm-hmm. how things work, that sort of magic system fits in perfectly. Yeah. And, and it can be a, a powerful force in the plot, yeah. but the hero is not going to solve problems with magic. I think, mm-hmm. again, Tolkien's a perfect example because those stories at their core are about normal people trying to deal with abnormal situations. It's a, it, you know, we relate to Frodo and Sam trying to make their way in this world with no superpowers. And... Um, having a magic that we don't understand enhances that. It gives a sense of mystery, a sense of wonder. You mentioned superpowers. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. We're, we're going to talk about superheroes, We are going right? to talk about superheroes. Okay. We'll get to them mm-hmm. in just a second. Um, you, Dan, in, w- anything else? What do you gain by not explaining? Well, I, I think, and I, I'm probably going to offend a lot of uh, Harry Potter fans here, but Harry Potter to me is a world that, for the most part, does not have a rule-based magic system. Okay. Um, and that's what you gain through that is ease of access. The spells that they are doing, they're essentially shooting magic guns at each other. Yeah. That's Harry Potter's magic system. And now, I, I will argue and no. say mag- Harry Potter's, it's kind of in between this because a given book generally outlines its rules very well, but mm-hmm. then ignores them a lot of times for the next book. Yes, The well, Harry Potter and, magic system yeah. is similar to the X-Men magic system. When we <laughs> yeah. start talking about yeah. superheroes, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. I think the yeah. connection will be clear. Now, um, pause here for an advertisement. Time for the Tor Book of the Week. This week, the Tor Book of the Week is the Science Fiction Hall of Fame, Volume 2. The Science Fiction Hall of Fame is a collection of SF's greatest novellas of all time, chosen by the Science Fiction Writers of America. It includes short stories by Isaac Asimov, E.M. Foster, Frederick, Frederick Pohl, the Science Fiction Hall of Fame, new and hardcover from Tor. Um, wow, I'd buy that. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know what the ad was. <laughs> Um, I've got that book. It was great. <laughs> We're going to make you a liar. We're going to find one to put that you've never even heard of. Some um, horrible thing. Yeah. Okay, let's talk about what you gain by explaining your rules. Um, now, a perfect example of this are superhero magic systems. And I want to make a distinction here between rule-based magic systems and magic systems with the rationale. When we're talking about, in this podcast, we're talking about rules and whether you explain them to your readers, not whether you've worked out the backstory. That's world building. We're talking about how the magic works. Example, X-Men. The X-Men. 
Um, the rationale behind the yeah. X-Men superpowers is the mutant gene. Yeah. That's world building. And yeah. there's all kinds of pseudo rules affecting the mutant gene. But when yeah. you find out that someone has the mutant gene and is a superhero, there is no inherent rule system right. built into that rationale to tell you what their ability will be. Right. Yeah. The rules come in when we start looking at that character. And the yeah. easiest one to look at is, is one of the most popular, uh, yeah. Wolverine. Okay. He has healing factor, which means he's really hard to kill. He's pretty dang strong. And at one point, he was surgically modified so that his bones have adamantium in them. Yeah, and he's got knives in his arms. And he's got <laughs> knives in his hands. Yeah. Um, and, and, a, and a bad attitude. But mm -hmm. the rules of what Wolverine can do are often based around the fact that well, he's a meat shield who you can you can have him take a bullet for you, yeah. and then he's going to get back up. Right. Yeah. Um, I, I like Superman. Superman, you ask anyone who has any sort of vague understanding of Superman what he can do, they can list for you what he can do. They mm -hmm. know the rules. He can fly, bullets bounce off him, yada, yada, yada. You ask those same people who are, if they're familiar with Gandalf, what Gandalf can do, nobody knows. That's the difference between rule-based and not rule-based. We're not talking about whether it's logical. Superman right. is not logical. Mm -hmm. You're from an alien planet, boom, you have all these magic powers. Now, um, Superman has been uh, broken and repaired right. numerous, numerous times. times. Yes. Yeah, I mean, in the old, the Golden Age Superman yeah. comics, he was picking up a new power oh, yeah. every week. Yeah, and that's, which is, that's a good thing to point out. That's the spirit behind in yeah. the uh, Superman the movie. Right. He No, not yeah. Superman the movie, Superman, Superman 2. 2. He, he kisses, kisses Lois yeah. Lane, mm -hmm. and she forgets. Mm -hmm. Where'd he get yeah. that... Now, now, talking about Superman, we ha maybe as a tangent, I have to point out that a great portion of my youth was spent watching the Super Friends cartoon and shouting horrible obscenities at Superman because he could never remember his whole uh, <laughs> yeah. repertoire, repertoire of powers. powers. It's like, no, you have laser eyes, you fool. Yeah. Um, you, you don't want to forget about your powers, but that is a tangent. <laughs> well, that's why the rules yeah. have to be there. Right. You have to know the rules because your readers right. will have figured out the rules that you've laid yeah. out for them. Right. Mm -hmm. And I'm, I'm known for writing very rule-based magic systems. This is kind of what Mistborn is. is um, really cool rule-based magic system that the reader understands most of the rules um, right, right from the get-go. I explain them in the first few chapters. What do you gain by that? Um, I'm just going to answer this myself because I know the answer. I don't want to give a leading answer. For me, <laughs> what I gain, um, why I write this way is I gain the ability to use magic to solve problems so I can make the, 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 the heroes clever. In other words, I give them a set of tools, I give them a problem, and then I show you how clever the characters are by having them manipulate those tools in ways you did not expect. That's what I love to do. What else there's do you something gain? Else, there's something else that you gain from this. Uh, mm -hmm. My daughter, just today came in and was talking to me about Mistborn and said, boy, how cool it would be, how cool would it be if one of those Alamancers could stand on a car? Yeah. So here's my 12-year-old has gotten herself embedded far enough in your rule system that it has captured, your, captured her imagination. Yeah. Capturing the reader's imagination in that regard, uh, especially doing it in large numbers, is the sort of thing that you can take <laughs> to the bank. That's mm -hmm. a very good point. Uh, what else do you gain? What do you gain by explaining your rules? This, this might fall under the cleverness umbrella, but I think you gain a lot of uh, foreshadowing. You get yeah. a lot of uh, story devices, because once someone understands how things work, you put one piece into the puzzle into place, and your readers who understand your system yeah. will go, oh, that means this and this and this and this. Mm -hmm. And so they'll be able to, you'll be able to foreshadow things that way. Yeah, the surprising yet inevitable. Every exactly. plot twist you want to be surprising and inevitable. Killing the Witch Cane is an excellent example. Establish a rule. 
he can't be killed by no man can kill him is mm -hmm. the rule this this creature no man can kill so what happens a woman stabs him in the face and kills him at least in, in the movies that's how it goes down i can't remember how it goes down in the uh, she stabs him somewhere yeah. somewhere but um it's an excellent manipulation of those rules it's surprising yet inevitable um one another thing you gain is and this can't be underestimated i think is the ability to have an apprentice character um have a character who who a big part of, part of the plot is them learning the magic. That's fun. We really like it. It's the, one of the best ways to show off your magic system. Sense of wonder. Yeah. Sense yeah. of wonder. That's Though, you... a, a very different sense of wonder. We're looking for a sense of wonder. There is a sense of wonder to not understanding the magic. It's big. It's awesome. You can't understand it. Magic is scary. The world is scary. And there's a sense of what, the unknown wonder. But there's also the sense of wonder of, wow, this is cool. I can imagine myself yeah. doing it. And those mm -hmm. are very different things. I was talking about the second kind. Yeah. But we read <laughs> science fiction fantasy for these reasons, that sense of wonder. That's why we're reading this as opposed to other genres, because we want that. Um, so what else? Any other ideas about what we gain by, by using rule-based magic systems? Um, I think we also gain the ability to have just really nifty, different takes on magic. If you're going to have the deep, mysterious magic, there's really only one thing you can do with that, and that is it's the deepest, mysterious magic. Yeah. Um, but, but like to follow what you're saying right now, you know, you couldn't have with Deep Mysterious Magic Mistborn. Yeah, that series no. could not exist. Could not exist. Mm -hmm. And I, I've read several uh, other books of yours that have entirely different magic systems. Larry Niven's yeah. series, The Magic Goes Away mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. The Magic May Return, both yeah. have a very firmly uh, rule-based uh, magic system. Yeah. And again, by rules, we're not saying good logic of rationale how it came to be. And people make that mistake in their heads all the time when I'm talking about these topics. Um, we're running a little bit of time. We're running low on time. Let's do final words talking about this, about 45 minutes each. Howard, do you want to go first? 45 minutes each. And 45 <laughs> seconds each. Okay, Howard. Uh, I'm, all set. Uh, I'm all set. I'm all set. Here we go. To sleep here. <laughs> okay, 45 seconds. What do you got? Last words on writing magic systems and rules. I don't know, Jack, about writing magic systems because I've never done it yet. Okay. All right. That was... We wasted all that 45 seconds talking, so we'll go to jail. <laughs> okay. Um, <laughs> sorry. I'm trying to figure out where to start and this now thought. we're into your 45 seconds. Okay, I'm going to go ahead. No, no, okay. No, I have it. I have uh, okay. it. And it, it, one, one topic sure? that I know that it? Brandon has you're discussed gonna, in panels before is the concept of hard fantasy. Yeah. And we might have to can of worms that, but the basic idea is that once your magic system has enough rules that it makes this perfect logical sense, it starts appealing to a, a different kind of audience. And I think you can expand your readership in some ways. You might lose some, but you'll also gain a lot who are looking for that kind of logic and don't find it in fantasy. You find people um, like on my forums who ex are discussing the different various mm -hmm. forms of magic in the Mistborn books quite a bit more than I ever expected anyone to discuss them. I forgot to close a yeah. loop. Okay. Harry Potter and the yeah. X-Men. Right. The rule-based system in the Harry Potter's books is right. very similar to the rules for one superhero. Yeah. During the course of one book, we will explore... We know what a port key polymorph is. Polymorph yeah. and port key yeah. and whatever mm -hmm. else. And those are important, but in the overall, the overarching series, the rules are not as concrete. Right. Yeah. All right. Well, we're out of time. Um, I think there's more to talk on this topic, so we'll come back next week and talk more about magic systems. This has been Writing Excuses. Thanks for listening. This podcast is brought to you by Tor, a leading publisher of science fiction and fantasy. If you aren't familiar with Locus Magazine, they're a long-standing and respected website, magazine, archive, and resource for science fiction, fantasy, and horror. 
Basically, they're the industry magazine for our genre. They also run the annual Locus Awards, a top-tier award that recognizes new, diverse, and excellent voices in speculative fiction. They tell the storytellers' stories through author interviews, book reviews, curated reading lists, international industry news, obituaries, and more. Locus has meant a lot to me, both personally and professionally. In my career, I've been interviewed by them, and I've also turned to them as a source of understanding who is involved in the industry. Locus is holding their annual fundraising drive to keep their doors open, lights on, and future bright. I'll be contributing to their crowdfunding campaign by donating a cutscene, some original art, and a couple of other things like, do you want to do a one-on-one chat with me? So join me in supporting Locus. Locus. 